We're going to continue in our sermon series entitled uh, The Sermon That Turned the World Upside Down This Week. It's a very important sermon because this, this um, message that Jesus spoke and that what we're going to talk about today is important for our spiritual life because sometimes we think that a healthy spiritual life should not be filled with any mourning or anguish or grief. And that's not true. The truth is, some of the most healthiest spiritual lives and people who have shown great spiritual maturity have been able to understand that mourning is essential to understanding the kingdom of God and being part of the kingdom of God. And it's not something that we should always run away from. See, a lot of us in our culture today, we feel any kind of anxiety, we feel any kind of grief, any kind of mourning, we want to numb that pain, right? We're like, get that out of here. Get me away from this. If you're following Jesus, you're saying, shouldn't I just be feeling peaceful all the time? Shouldn't I be skipping around just smiling like I'm from Texas or something? I went to Texas, everyone was smiling. I don't know what's going on out there. But mourning is essential to a healthy spiritual life because if you live in a broken world, in a broken body with a broken nature, you are going to mourn at times in your life. So I want to ask you this question. What makes you mourn? What makes you grieve? What makes you cry? This week, my daughter Kira, once in a while, a kid will wake up and they'll be crying. All of us parents know that, right? You wake up in the middle of the night, someone's crying, you run over, what's going on? But it was like a deep cry. It wasn't just like, I'm uncomfortable, i got to turn over cry. It was like mourning. I'm just being honest with you. My wife will attest to this. She just wouldn't stop crying. So I'm, we're asking her, like, did you have a nightmare or do you have a stuffy nose? Because she hates stuffy noses. So she gets carried away, not this much, but once in a while her nose gets stuffy. She just wakes up like, I can't deal with this. My nose is stuffy. It shouldn't be like this. What's wrong? I'm not sleeping. This isn't ideal. And so she's crying so much and we're asking her, because if it was a stuffy nose, I was going to, in a very fatherly way, say, you need to stop crying over stuffy nose and go back to sleep. Don't be waking your dad up like this, okay? You got a stuffy nose. It's pile of life there with it. Go to sleep. Your pillow's, pillow's comfortable. But if it was a nightmare, I was going to understand that, you know, our kids shouldn't mourn over nightmares. I had some bad ones when I was little, and everyone knows how a nightmare... I've had some bad ones when I'm old to wake up like, you know. You sh I was going to say, that that's healthy mourning if you had something that really scared you. I want you guys, all of us as a church today, to identify what is healthy mourning in your life and what is you having a runny nose. Okay? Because if you're mourning over a runny nose, you're mourning over the wrong things. If you're mourning over what God calls us to mourn over in these scriptures, which mourn over our sin, mourn over the broken world that we live in, and mourn over those who are persecuted for the sake of Christ. That's stuff we should be mourning over. But a lot of times we find ourselves mourning over a runny nose. We don't like our jobs. We don't like our houses. We don't like our vacations. So we mourn. We don't like the way people maybe treat us. And so we mourn over the things, and what we're really mourning over is a runny nose when God says we should be mourning over other things. 
You know the most I've seen the culture mourn as a community in the past five or six years was when the Patriots lost the undefeated season to the New York Giants when that brother caught it on his head to win the game. Does anyone remember what that next day was like? I think even the clouds were mourning. It was like one of the darkest days. There were like clouds were the darkest. There were black clouds. Everyone had their head down. Everyone's mourning like they didn't do it. They were going behind the feet. I'm like, listen, I cheer for sports like the next man. But when a whole culture is mourning like that over a pigskin, we're mourning over runny noses. Now, if everyone woke up tomorrow and you said, why is everyone mourning? We're in sin and we need to change. This world is broken and they need Jesus. People are being persecuted and dying. Then I say, mourn on, mourn on. But if we're mourning over pigskins and basketballs, and if that's what makes our culture mourn for a whole day and put their head down and get sackcloth and ashes, we're mourning over runny noses. Because that ain't pain. That ain't true sorrow. I saw a grown man. They had the reunion for the Red Sox. And there was a grown man crying as the people came on the field. I'm talking mourning, not the, the tear. Like, this is beautiful. Like, just couldn't control himself mourning because there were Red Sox players on the field. That's a runny nose. Those aren't things we should be mourning about. Believe me, I, I was competitive when I was younger. There's a few games I mourned over that I shouldn't have been mourning over. There's a few experiences in life I shouldn't have been mourning but praising God when I lost something. Of a job I was having, I shouldn't have been mourning over. I should have thank God I had a job to get up to. Like these are all things that I'm mourning over with runny noses. And I should be mourning over my sin. I should be mourning over a broken world. I should be mourning over those who are persecuted for the sake of Christ. Because those who mourn over the things that Jesus teaches us to mourn over will be comforted. They shall be comforted. So mourning should compel you, and comfort should strengthen you. When we truly mourn over something, it changes the way we behave, right? So the San Antonio Spurs lost to the Miami Heat last year. There was like 28 seconds left. They were up five points. You'll see I'm a basketball fan now. I'm not against sports. I'm just against mourning over it foolishly. So they're like, they lost it. Then they lost game seven. You know what drove them the whole year, and you heard Tim Duncan say every time? I never want to feel like that again. I'm mourning the loss of game six. It's going to compel me to change. And the comfort of a championship, the reward of that is what gives me strength to keep going. Now, put that into our everyday life. When you truly mourn over your sin, that's when you truly change. I talk to guys all the time who say, I did this, I know I shouldn't have did it, and they kind of laugh it off, everyone does it. And I know what I hear when they say that? I hear they're not changing because they're not mourning over it. So a godly grief, a godly mourning brings change. When we take it too lightly and we don't mourn over it, we don't change. And we don't see the comfort and the strength ahead. So mourning is a good thing, is a great thing. And so let's start here. I just want to read the scripture. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. First thing we want to do is mourn over our sin. You'll notice something that happens when you become a Christian. You start feeling convicted about things you didn't feel convicted about before. You say, man, why was I comfortable doing this six months ago? 
Why did I not feel like this was wrong six months ago? Why all of a sudden, now that I'm following Jesus, my heart has been awakened to the truth, am I feeling like this is wrong? That's because God the Holy Spirit is working inside of you to sanctify you and to change you. Sanctification. What some people wrongly do is shut off that voice and they, they name it the wrong thing. They say, that's fear. I'm just going to do what I want. That's fear. That's not fear. That's God the Holy Spirit moving in your heart to actually change something and should change. Some of us justify it and say, no, that, that, that's, that's old culture. I'm not listening to that. That's not right. That's just me getting all... No, God the Holy Spirit's working inside of you and you need to listen to that voice and repent of that sin and mourn over that sin and change for the glory of God. You know, God the Holy Spirit's convicting you of those things, whatever they are, because he wants to change you so you find true happiness, true satisfaction is him. He's not trying to take away something that is good for you. Just like a father who loves his child, if they have a butcher knife in their hand, you're trying to take that out. You can't play with that. But if your kid... We sometimes hold on to that, but no, I want to play with this knife. I want to put. No, a loving dad says, just like God the Holy Spirit does, you need to repent of this and change this. You need to respond to that voice. You know, we don't want to become numb to that. That is very important and that is very crucial, guys. Because a lot of us are new to following Jesus. Some of us have been doing it for a while. And some of us have quenched God the Holy Spirit's voice in our heart and just said, I'm doing it anyways. I encourage you for your good for your joy, for the kingdom of God, for God's glory. Respond to God the Holy Spirit and repent of that sin he's convicting you about. And it's probably multiple ones, right? We we have areas of our heart. And I just want to give you examples of some of the men of God who mourned over their sin and they were comforted, okay? So we see the Apostle Paul, right? This is a guy who shouldn't have to repent, right? Apostle Paul. This statues to this guy. He's considered the super apostle. Wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Let me read a verse he wrote as he mourned over his sin. He wrote, Wretched man that I am! Exclamation point. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Has anyone ever felt like that? You keep doing the same sin. You fall into it again. You do it again and say, What is wrong with me? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this mind that keeps doing it, from this heart that keeps choosing it, from this body that keeps committing it? Who will deliver me from that? Apostle Paul was mourning over his sin. I encourage you, mourn over your sin. Next, we have Job, right? If anyone could have a self-pity party, right? He's the guy that deserves it, right? You lose your family. You lose all your wealth, you got boils on you, your wife's saying curse God and die, you got nothing left, people are saying God doesn't even love you anymore. That's a guy that doesn't have to mourn over his sin, right? He should be mourning over his situation. Look at me. I don't know where that came from. That wasn't part, that wasn't part of preaching prep. If there's anyone who can have a pity party, we would give the, the past to Job, right? But Job got it and he got the kingdom of God and this is what he said. Therefore, I despise myself. I repent in dust and ashes during his time of suffering. He said, my heart needs to get right in this situation. He didn't say, woe is me, look at me, I'm a victim. He didn't go through that car. He said, let me mourn over my sin before God, for I will be comforted. Then we have the one we talked about a few weeks ago, Isaiah, the prophet of God, right? You think the holy man, 
The guy was speaking the very words of God. He shouldn't be mourning over his sin, right? We know, and we talked about this, so I'll go over it quickly. God shows up. He sees God in the vision. He says, I'm absolutely undone. I'll read the verse. This is him mourning over his sin. He says, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He mourns over his sin. He said, I'm absolutely unclean. See that mourning that's going on there in people who are healthy spiritually and leading the people of God? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We should be mourning over our sin. I always get concerned as a pastor when I see people living in habitual sin and I don't see them mourning and repenting about it. Now, I'm not saying that they don't know God. I'm not saying they don't know they're not saved. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there is a concern as a pastor that they're not mourning over that sin and they're just saying it's no big deal. I'm going to keep living like that. Because that tells me a few things. That tells me one thing that this is the scary part, that maybe God the Holy Spirit isn't working inside of them. Maybe it's an outward religion. Secondly, it tells me that if they are in Jesus, then maybe they're just not responding to God the Holy Spirit's voice in their hearts. Do you guys hear me on that? So that's a concern. The um, Apostle Paul said, evaluate your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't want everyone scared in here, no. But we should, this is a holy thing. This is a miraculous thing. We should be thinking about if we're mourning over the things we do that are sinful. And this is what Jesus is teaching about here. Have a check because we can get numb. Do you ever feel like, why is this bothering me anymore? This is not a concern because I know this is wrong. That's a time to mourn and repent and receive the free grace of God. I just really encourage you guys in that. As we mourn over a sinful world, being sinners inside of ourselves, right? Being sinners, not inside of ourselves, just being sinners. It naturally leads us to mourn over a broken world full of sinners. I can barely watch the news anymore because I'm like, I can't go to bed like this. Do you guys feel the same way? I'm like, I I won't let my kids leave the house. I'll put cages on my windows. Uh, I'll stop building that hut out in the woods, man, because I'm telling you, there's some crazy stuff going on. I'm like, this can't be real. Like, I look at this broken world, and I say, it, it should cause us to mourn, right? It should cause us to mourn over the things that are going on in this world. I saw something. Do you know in Massachusetts that the amount of drug-addicted babies born in this state is three times the national average? That should cause every God-fearing man and God-fearing woman to mourn, to mourn. They're having to make special places in the hospital just to detox these babies. A baby just born in this world, drug-addicted, having to be detoxed. That should break our hearts, and that should compel us to advance the gospel. We should mourn over that, and that mourning should compel us. You guys know all the broken. I can't even watch all the brokenness in this world anymore because I'll end. I won't leave the house. I'm mourning so much. But you should feel the weight of that. Some people turn a blind eye to that. They say, "You know what? I'm living my life. I'm gonna smile. I'm gonna live in my little world, and I'm not gonna look at the brokenness of it." So they turn a blind eye to it. Not the people of God. We need to look dead into that storm and allow it to shape us so we mourn. Because when you mourn over those things, you will change and you will work to advance the kingdom of God. If you don't feel that pain, you won't empathize. If you don't see that brokenness, you won't work to fix it. You have to look at the brokenness of this world so it compels you to advance the gospel. Don't turn a blind eye to it. 
They always, and I heard one man encourage pastors, he said, let yourself feel that pain. Let yourself mourn over others and mourn over the broken world and mourn over yourself because that shapes who you are and that softens you to be more like Christ. Christ looked dead into the storm and the pain and our sins and the fact that he would be murdered. And he allowed it to shape his love so that he would endure to the cross and die for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God. Sorry for spitting. I'm mourning and I'm getting compelled. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus looked at the brokenness and that's why he came to earth. He didn't say, you know what? I'm up here in heaven, living it up. He said, they're broken. I need to go into that storm. And he mourned over us. He saw the brokenness and he made it complete. I want you to hear Jesus mourning right here. He looks at Jerusalem, and this is in Matthew 23, 37 through 39. And imagine this scene, and I, I want you to a- ask yourself if you've done this for your city and for your town. In Matthew 23, 37 through 39, Jesus is looking at Jerusalem. He's looking at the holy city. He's looking at the place where his people are, his covenant people. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as hens gathered her brood under her wings, and you were not willing, exclamation point. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until they say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's weeping outside the city. He's crying, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, I tried to save you. I sent you my prophets, but you stole them. I sent you my... Now he's being sent and they're going to kill him. And he's saying, why did you know? I tried to gather you to myself. I tried to love you. I tried to protect you. I tried to save you. But you even killed the ones I sent to you. Why, why? He's mourning over Jerusalem, and he will also ultimately die for his own people. Do you understand that? See the heart of Jesus there? How many have looked at Wakefield, or looked at Reading, or looked at Saugus, or looked at Linfield, or looked at Peabody, or looked at wherever you are from, and you cried over your city? How many of you have mourned over those who don't know Jesus in your city? How many of you mourned over the brokenness? I encourage you, look at this world, mourn over it, because the mourning will compel you, and the comfort will bring you strength. And finally, what we can forget sometime in our Western culture is that people actually get killed for believing in Jesus. That people actually get killed for having Bibles. You know, if someone had this Bible, they can get killed for having a Bible. Once again, in our American culture, where our problems are runny noses, Right? My house ain't big enough. My driveway needs to be redone. Running noses more and more and more and waste, waste, waste. We forget that there's people who don't have homes that are be hung from stakes and shot through with machine guns. You know that just happened this past week in North Korea? Do you know that 80 people were executed in a sports stadium that they forced 10,000 people to go in and watch? Among them were people who just had Bibles because a pastor from Colorado is dropping Bibles from a plane and flying over like a righteous rebel. Just flying over the plane, they're just dropping Bibles, but they're illegal there. 
So the people who get the Bibles because they're followers of Jesus because it's illegal to be a Christian in North Korea. Illegal to be a Christian and to own a Bible. You know what they did to these people with the Bible? They put them on stakes in the middle of the sports stadium. This past week, not 2,000 years ago. This happens all over the place. Not in our narcissistic culture. They put them on a stake and they shot them through with machine guns until their bodies were unrecognizable. Have you mourned over them? Have I mourned over them? Or am I still mourning over runny noses? Can you imagine that? Of those 10,000 people, because there's about 100,000 who are underground Christians in North Korea. Of those 10,000, imagine the brothers and sisters, the fathers and mothers who put in the crowd and watched their loved ones die for their faith. That's what we should be mourning over. Those who are losing their lives because they praise Jesus as their God. We should be mourning over our sin. We should be mourning over a broken world. We should be mourning over those who are being killed for the glory of the gospel and for the sake of Christ. But there's something beautiful at the end of this verse. I just want to drive that home first because it's important for our spiritual life we identify what we should be mourning over. But the second part of that verse says, for they shall be comforted. It doesn't come without a reward. So I think about those men and women who were killed, shot through with machine guns. I think about the mourning they must have went through on those stakes in a sports stadium. Could you guys imagine that? imagine that for what you believe? You're about to die. You're about to die. They can't do this in public. You're about to die because you believe Jesus is the Son of God. That morning, all of a sudden those bullets ring through. All of a sudden you're killed. All of a sudden you're in the arms of God. Think about that mourning to comfort ratio right there. You will mourn. And he had to say this to his disciples so we understand the context. Because he was speaking to men who would be, most of them would be killed and even their families would be killed. When he's speaking to Peter and he's speaking to John, do you know how these guys died? I say this all the time. Peter was hung upside down and crucified upside down. Many of them were thrust through with swords. Many of them were beheaded. Some of them were stoned. They needed to hear that blessed are those who mourn for you shall be comforted or they wouldn't have been able to endure the storm. They had to know that mourning was part of the kingdom of God, but the future tense, the future reward would be comfort. Because the first thing they would mourn over is the fact that Jesus would be murdered and executed in front of them. Imagine that, guys. Your leader, your spiritual leader, and he's the son of God, getting publicly humiliated, torn apart, unrecognizable, in front of everyone, executed. They would mourn that, and they had to understand that there was comfort on the other side of that mourning. And then they themselves would face death. And they'd have to understand they were mourning there. But the comfort and the reward of all those who gave their life for Jesus, they will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We know that, right? What we do here on earth matters. For those of us who sacrifice, those of us who will give, those of us who lay down our life, our reward will be great in heaven. Those of us who keep everything for ourselves, I'm not saying you're out of the kingdom of heaven, but your reward will be small. For these martyrs, they receive the crown of a martyr. They'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Last on earth, first in heaven. Given their life in service. They will be comforted in the arms of God. They will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. You understand that comfort that goes from being executed to in the arms of God to say, I gave my life for the greatest perfect um, purpose. That is a comfort we can't even imagine. Everyone who gives his life for Jesus will experience that comfort. I know that's not something we face every day. 
But it's important to know in the world there's people who die every day and we should be mourning over them and praying for their families. Secondly, do you know there'll be no more drug-addicted babies in heaven? No more mourning over that kind of stuff. I can't wait. I can't wait not to mourn over these things we see on television, the murders and the terrorism. And I don't want to mourn over this stuff anymore. In the kingdom of heaven, no more crying over that. Every baby will be comforted in the arms of God. Every person, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more murder, no more fear, no more rape, no more robbery, no more war. All evil will be destroyed by the Almighty God, and we will finally be fully comforted. We don't have to wake up anymore morning. And I want to read this verse to you because this is the future comfort we have. In Revelation 21, 1 through 5, this is a vision of how it's going to go down. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now listen to this part. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And listen to this guarantee. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy, and these words are true. That's what our God says. No more pain. No more crying. No more tears. Think about the pain and the suffering you've gone through in this life. No more. Think about the pain and the suffering that other ones, gone, other people you love have gone through. No more. Think of the pain and suffering this world has gone through. No more. He has made all things new. They have been fully restored. And finally, there's something we all wake up with every day. It's a struggle. We all wake up with a struggle every day, no matter who you are. You wake up with a struggle to take up your cross and follow Jesus. You wake up with a struggle to love God and to love others. You wake up with the struggle of sin. No more. I can't even imagine that. I'm so used to the struggle. I'm so used to that that I can't imagine a kingdom. I can't imagine a world where there's no struggle to love. No struggle against addictions. No struggle to reconcile, no struggle to work, no struggle to believe, right? Imagine that kind taken away. We're so used to it, we can barely even imagine that to be taken away. We can barely even imagine waking up and everything's perfect. We can barely imagine not worrying the night before before we go to sleep, right? You mean I can just go to sleep? I don't have to stay up an hour and a half and control the world with my mind? <laughs> You can just go to bed because you ain't going to be crying. You don't have to comfort others because they're not crying. 
Because God is there. We have everything we ever wanted, everything we could imagine. No more sin, no more pain, no more devastation, no more war. We are with Jesus. You shall be comforted. I want you guys to live in that truth. In a simple passage, blessed are those who mourn, for you will be comforted because of the truth of the gospel. Amen?